Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo here for the final hour. Of course, you can listen to the show live weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. If you can't listen live, you can always check it out on demand. Just go to podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, and you can listen anytime you want at your convenience. You can find all my work, scoutfantasysports.com, as our fantasy baseball draft kit is littered with a ton of content already. In-depth team outlooks from Sean Child. He's one of the best high stakes players around in the NFBC Hall of Fame. He's gone through the American League. He's gone through the NL East. And now he's going through the NL Central with a latest look at the Cincinnati Reds. Very interesting team this year. And the Chicago Cubs. So you can check those out. There's a free preview of the Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Red Sox. We got uh, fantasy NASCAR rankings as well for the big Daytona 500 coming up. So you could check that out. Uh, I have a continued look at fantasy baseball's profiles and doing a variety of things for a draft kit. Uh, Broke down the JT Romuto trade as he is now headed to Philadelphia. Uh, we'll have an outlook on Paul DeYoung coming up uh, hopefully today. Uh, it's being in the editing process right now, so hopefully will see it live today. If not today, tomorrow. Uh, taking a look at Yasiel Puig, Jesus Aguiar, A.J. Pollock, Nelson Cruz, and a lot more. So it's all part of our draft kit. We'll have rankings, sleepers, busts, and a ton more. Dr. Roto takes a, a look at the FSTA Fantasy Baseball Draft as he recaps the different rounds that he was a part of there as well. And we answer your questions on the message boards and forums anytime you want. If you use the promo code BATS50, get 50% off your first two months. ScoutDFS.com, we got you covered for NBA, NHL, PGA, including optimizers and Slack chat leading up to lineup block. So you can check all of that out. As well, and VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. So plenty of ways to make money, and uh, we want to help you in the process. Also, just want to give a shout-out to some of our contest winners for the postseason. Uh, for the Maui Madness, Patrick Sorge, who I had on the show in December, as he was in the hunt for the FFWC uh, overall as well. Uh, he is the winner uh, for Maui Madness. So he gets a trip for four to Maui, resort accommodations, air four for four. So... Uh, that's one of our playoff contests. We talked quite a bit about that. Uh, Nicholas Benincasa finished as the uh, second-place runner-up, tying with Craig Bodenmiller. So congratulations to them uh, for that contest. In the playoff draft world championship, Justin Heron, he wins the 20K uh, in first place. And David Keel, he takes second, uh, winning 2,000. And the Beat the Experts playoff contest, uh, Larry Parks he is the winner there, wins a free 2019 World Championship entry. And Travis Lukatek, he is the runner-up in that contest as well. So 
Uh, congratulations to everybody participating in those postseason contests. And uh, again, great job for everyone, and especially to the winners for taking home those prizes. Got a lot to get to in this hour. We'll get uh, Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm. He will join me in the next segment. We'll talk some fantasy baseball with him. Also, NBA DFS uh, coming up in the last segment. We'll preview it tonight. Uh, obviously, a lot going on and lots of news to get to, so we'll kind of break down the slate from an early perspective to help you get set for the night uh, as well. And we'll also talk some baseball as well. Uh, and I want to kick it off talking some baseball because uh, interesting you know, questions that I'm seeing as far as especially with head-to-head leagues. And I know we don't talk head-to-head leagues a lot, but I know a lot of you guys play in them. So I do want to address it um, here in this segment. I will also uh, take a look at a current draft that I'm uh, doing right now, uh, how I put my team together. And, you know, that's always part of, uh, you know, how you look at the draft going in. And, you know, it it plays out different than what you expect. And that's the case for me in this draft. Uh, I would have had a different thought on the way I build my team before the draft, but you kind of have to go with what the draft throws you. And sometimes, you know, you go in a different direction and you have to take the value that's presented. There's crazy runs that happen and you can't buy into all those runs all the time. Sometimes you just have to say, can't overpay for this. And that's something I did put on Twitter uh, over the weekend. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. And I was saying like, these drafts have been crazy, especially in the draft champions where people are overpaying especially for saves, then you got to figure out, especially if it's only one league and not an overall, you know, what do you do in that fashion? Do you buy into the run and overpay or do you go in the opposite direction and build a area of strength in a different direction? Uh, Obviously there was a lot of NFL news today, Kareem Hunt, uh, Kyler Murray. So we spoke about that extensively in the first hour. So you can go back and uh, listen to that on demand anytime you want. Uh, Dr. Otto was with me and we uh, went in depth uh, on all of that in the first hour, but Baseball strategy here for head-to-head leagues I want to talk about a little bit because I've been seeing a lot of questions on this. And in head-to-head leagues with categories, I really do think that you should punt because it's not like a Roto League. In Roto League, I don't advise punting, especially not as a draft plan going into the draft. Of course, things can change as you go on, and you might be in a position where you do say, you know what? I missed out here. I'm going to have to punt. And it also depends on whether that's a trading league, waiver wire, all those things are part of the plan. But in a Roto League, I don't think you want to go in with a plan to punt. Maybe you're in an auction, and as it goes on, you realize, hey, uh, a lot of closes are gone. I'm not paying for them. All right, I'm going to be light on saves, get a couple of relievers. Kind of did that a little bit last year, and the NFBC auction really didn't pay up for a closer. Did wind up getting Keone Kayla, who obviously turned into one picked up A.J. Mentor of the waiver wire, so it was still decent in the category. But that was not part of the plan. Obviously, I was hoping to get Blake Trinan, and uh, he went for a little bit more than I expected. So in a Roto League, I don't think you go in with a plan to punt categories. It can always shape up and form in a different direction. But as far as a head-to-head categories league, I think you should. Because say there's 10 categories. You don't need balance. You want to dominate seven to eight of those categories. And the way there's certain categories you punt, I think saves are one of them in a head-to-head league because even if you have a dominant closer, there's a chance on a given week they only get one save. Maybe they pitch two, three innings. Now there'll be other weeks where they pitch five innings and get four saves. 
But the thing is, you will probably still see people overpaying for closers and head-to-head leagues. So you can go into the draft and say, you know what? I'm not going to overpay for these closers. Let everyone else do it. And you load up on starters. And especially if you're in a format that has relief pitcher spots where you can plug in a starter, even better. Now, you do run the risk of, obviously, if the starter has a bad week, you know, blowing up the ERA and whip a little bit. But it puts you in a position to get more wins, puts you in a position to get more strikeouts. So, you know, you might have a guy like Colin McHugh, who was mostly a relief pitcher last year. He's going to start this year. So one example of a guy on many sites that you can put into the relief pitcher role if your site requires you to start, like, two or three relievers. So that's one category you can put. Stolen bases is another one, and especially this year where the speed is being valued extremely high. I mean, you can just look at some of the guys that are being pushed up draft boards really because of stolen bases. Uh, when you go and look back at all the players that led the league in stolen bases and went in the top last year, they're all pretty much going early. I mean, even a guy like Malik Smith, who is not great in power or RBIs, he's going in the sixth round, and that's because of stolen bases. Now, in a head-to-head league, you don't need to do that. And, you know, I, I would still want some steals, especially when you're looking at the first round and a lot of guys go there. But say you start off with a Dolan Arenado or J.D. Martinez, and you come back in the second round and you get a pitcher or in the third round, and then you don't get much speed. You start to see your plan evolve. You go, okay, you know what? This is going to be a team that maybe doesn't have a lot of stolen bases. I'll go in a different direction. You could punt average. You know, average is a pretty good one because, you know, some of the big-time power hitters don't have great average. So you could load up on some power and punt the average category. I don't think you obviously want to punt home runs, runs, RBIs. They're correlated as well. So on offense, the two categories I think that you can consider are average and steals. And on the pitching side, probably is saves would be the one. Now, there's always the, the opposite way where you can, depending on the innings limit for the specific league, you could potentially punt starters and just load up on relievers because uh, obviously that gives you a good shot to keep your ERA and whip low. Uh, you probably might lose strikeouts and you might not necessarily lose wins because pitchers just don't go deep into games as they used to. Now, if you have a bunch of closers, might not get as many wins, but if you have some closers and some setup men and you decide to go with the low ERA whip strategy, you might get more wins with the way the nature of the game is right now. So, I just see it. A lot of people don't do that in head-to-head leagues. And I am not planning to play in a head-to-head league right now, but I have in the past. I've done mostly points leagues. But if it's 10 categories, the goal is to dominate seven or eight. Uh, That's really what you want to do. And I think that's the best way to do it. You could have a success with balance, uh, just like in a roto league. You could have kind of a similar strategy. It's kind of what I do. Uh, I like to get the balance and speed. And I'll talk about a draft that I did where I – didn't reach for any of the stolen base guys, and I feel like I'm in a really good position in the category about 14, 15 rounds in. And that's generally what I like to do in a roto league, but I do think in the head-to-head leagues, and they are more popular than I think a lot of us believe. I know in a lot of the industry we talk a lot of roto because uh, I think that's what a lot of us do. The high-stakes leagues are roto. A lot of the industry leagues are roto. I know Tau Wars has implemented a head-to-head league in recent years, and they'll be doing that again. They've also implemented a draft and hold league. So they're trying to do different formats, and OBP is one of the categories there in most of the Tout Wars leagues. So it's always good to see different formats. And, of course, the AL and NL only they have as well, which people are, are still playing in. But I do think 
in the head-to-head league that there's a, a good case for um, punting categories. And uh, you can come up with a plan, maybe go through it and you know put players in tiers and figure out, okay, what is best, and then go about it in that direction. So just keep that in mind because I know a lot of you play in head-to-head leagues. Uh, I'm going to uh, talk about a draft I'm in uh, you know, over the next few days just to kind of give you guys an idea of how I'm kind of building my team and my thoughts, and it'll bleed in some player analysis as well. So I'm doing a, um, a best ball draft right now on Fantrax. It's a slow draft, two-hour clock, and uh, about around 14 or 15. So I had to pick 11, and I went with Manny Machado, and obviously there's some risk because we don't know where he's going to play. And we're hearing a team like San Diego and the White Sox, which obviously are not ideal. You know, there's still always the shot that he could land on a team like Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I would think that they probably bring in a Harper or Machado to really have that lineup take a step up after recently acquiring JT Realmuto. Uh, but Machado should still put up big numbers uh, regardless of where he plays uh, as well. So, you know, last year, 37 homers, 107 ribbies, 14 stolen bases, batted 297. Obviously, he played his early years in Camden Yards, a great hitter's park. Last year went to the Dodgers, which is not uh, a bad hitter's park for home runs either. Not as bad as some people think, and the ball can fly out of there, especially in the summer. But, you know, it's four straight years of at least 30 home runs, uh, 100 RBIs last year, uh, 100 with seven, and obviously at least nine steals in three of the last four years. He had no steals in 2016. Uh, obviously was bothered by a knee back then, but, you know, he can get double-digit steals. So, to me, Machado's a guy that can – Help across the board. Um, and I was hoping that uh, Christian Yelich might fall, but he went, uh, looks like, eight. Uh, I was hoping that Ronald Acuna would fall because we see Acuna go four or five in a lot of drafts. And in this one, he went nine, uh, and Trey Turner fell to ten. So I was in a position there where, you know, I could have went in a lot of different directions. You know, Alex Bregman, the concern with him is coming off the elbow surgery. I almost went Jacob DeGrom, thought about it. I typically don't take pitchers in the first round, more willing to do it in a draft champions where I cannot go to the waiver wire, I can't make trades, but ultimately decided to go with Machado, thinking he's the best player on the board. And then after Machado was Harper, Sale, Bregman, DeGrom. Uh, We saw Aaron Judge go with the first pick of the second round, and I think Judge is a good pick this year. I mean, you're getting him in the early second round, and I was a little down on him going into last year. I wasn't sure if he would be able to repeat. Uh, Obviously, there were some pretty fortunate stats that he had the year before, uh, and he didn't play the whole season, obviously, getting injured, only 112 games, but he was still really good in those 112 games. 278, 27 homers, 67 ribbies, 77 runs, and six stolen bases. He had nine two years ago, so he's going to get you some of those steals. He's clearly even better in OBP leagues. He was 422 OBP two years ago, 392 last year, and he does strike out a ton, but he draws a lot of walks, and when he makes contact, he stings the ball. I mean, big uh, line drive rate, hard hit rate is there, so it's a really good lineup. It judges a guy that a lot of people were taking in the first round last year. Now he's falling to the early second round. So part of it is we're seeing a few pitchers pushed up, and then you got the guys who kind of emerged last year, uh, like Ronald Acuna, Christian Yelich going up the board. So Judge is a real nice pick there in the second round, and I have taken him. In a couple leagues. I think you could even make a case for him going late first round uh, because there's an elite power hitter 
that's going to contribute across the board. And maybe the average is still maybe a little bit of a question mark. He's a two seventy three career hitter. Now, he's been boosted by big batting average of balls in play, but maybe that's his baseline. Remember, each individual player is different, and he's three fifty six. Uh, and part of it is he just hits the ball so hard. So even when he's hitting a, a ground ball, it's getting through because he's smashing it. So keep that in mind. So 270, 275, even for 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 Judge there, is not bad at all. So I, I like where he's going. Second round, I came back with Freddie Freeman. Uh, it was a tough call here, too. And you know, we know f- first base is not a deep position. Goldschmidt went right before him. You know, I would have definitely liked to take Judge or Stanton if they fell, but they didn't. They were both were gone. And Freeman, obviously, is to me one of the best hitters in the game. Just got to see that power return. Uh, it was a little shocking to see the power uh, a little diminished last year. Now we had the wrist injury a couple years ago, but guy hits a ton of line drives. He's going to give you good average. It's a good Braves lineup, and you know he should drive in you know close to 100. Uh, he had 98 last year. And another guy too, the underrated stolen bases out of your first base position. Eight two years ago, ten last year. So, again, you're not counting on a lot, but I didn't really get two big stolen base guys in the first two rounds, but they can combine to get me 20-25, and that's not bad at all, considering what they do in all the other categories. When we return, we'll talk more baseball. I'll be joined by Greg Jewett of Fantasy Alarm. That's ahead. You're listening to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. baseball is they don't really know we're going to change this we're going to change that people that like baseball is there anything wrong with the sport of baseball when you watch games i don't have a problem with the leg i don't have a problem with anything i think the more they tweak things they alienate longtime baseball fans more than anything and it doesn't bring new kids in. Yeah, they have the world series on at one in the morning and they're surprised yeah. that future generations don't watch baseball weekdays 9 a.m eastern on fntsy radio and on your popular podcast providers The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronas here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. We're getting you set for the fantasy baseball season with the draft kit 
out with a ton of content already. Uh, have a latest look at Paul DeYoung. That profile just went up. You can use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months. Check it out right now. Joining me to talk some baseball, it is Greg Jewett, Fantasy Alarm. Greg, what's up? Not much. I didn't go to the store yet. I get my bread and eggs because it's supposedly getting 10 more inches here in Syracuse tomorrow, but I'll be okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're up in Syracuse. So, yeah, it looks like here for us, it's kind of like, at least where I'm at, like, you know, snow turning into rain or sleet. So, you know, icy conditions can always be bad, but it doesn't look like we're going to get a ton of snow like you. Yeah, that's okay. I'm happy for you guys. No doubt there's a killer. Well, you're used to this snow. I mean, 10 inches of snow is like not even a big deal for Syracuse, right? It's just another day. <laughs> uh, not anymore with the administrators, but it's all right. If I get that bonus day off from school, I'll take it. Yeah, that's always a positive for sure. Uh, let's talk about some of the latest news going on. And obviously on Friday, Francisco Lindor has, uh, we got word that he has a calf injury and he could miss seven to nine weeks. I put out a poll on Twitter asking, would you still take this guy in the first round? And majority said they would not take him in the first round. Uh, you know, but the timetable shows he could be ready maybe a little after opening day, but I guess some people don't want to risk it knowing that the injury could linger. Uh, what are your thoughts on Francisco Lindor knowing this injury? Would you take him late in the first round in a 15-team league, or would you kind of pass on him based on this point? Um, you know, it's funny because I think the last time I was on, we were talking about who to target at the third spot, and I was saying I was torn between Lindor, Ramirez, and Scherzer, and now obviously this takes him way out of that place. You know, if it's truly going to be he only misses a week of the season, I mean, you can take him near the wheel at, in a 15-team draft in the first round. Um, I think most people's concern um, lie in two things. One, what happened with Josh Donaldson when he had his calf injury. I think that's fresh in fantasy owners' memories. And it's also a matter of how much is he going to run because some of his value that pushed him up into the three-range prior to the injury was the fact that he could give you 18 to 22 stolen bases to go along with his uh, burgeoning powers. So um, I probably, due to the depth at that shortstop, would at that point, when you're talking 13 to 15, i probably going to pass on him, but I can see where people would make the point to take him. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You know, we have the Labor Mixed League draft tomorrow, so I'm very interested and intrigued to see where he goes because it's easy for everyone to say, yeah, I'll take him at 10 or 11 if he falls. It's another thing to do it when you're on the clock, the pressure's on, mm -hmm. and now you know you have to kind of deal with him. And it always works both ways with these injuries. I've seen times where, oh, wow, it turned out to be a real bargain. I remember one year I won towers, like I got uh, Cole Hamels and Iwakuma really late because people kept passing on them, and they both came back within a month and were really good. But I've seen other situations where you take the player and they miss an extended period of time. Uh, longer than you thought, and I think that's the worry people have with Lindor, and as you alluded to, with the calf, you know, how much does that limit his ability to run? And let's not forget, it is cold as hell in Cleveland in April and May. <laughs> yeah, and you're just worried about something down there. It's okay, so he rehabs it, he's working out down in Florida, and everything's good, and then he plays in a 34-degree day, and that thing pops, and then you're you're looking at a month in season, and that's just a whole different animal to deal with. Another player that we're seeing go mostly at the end of the first round where I think maybe some people are starting to have some concerns is because we saw the velocity drop and, you know, the injury late last year is Chris Sale, the Red Sox. And I think if you knew Chris Sale was healthy, I mean, you can make a case taking him, 
you know, pretty early. And this is a guy who's been pretty durable in his career, even though there was a lot of questions about him early. People wondered, you know, would he be able to last? And uh, he's been, you know, besides last year, he had three straight years of 200-plus innings, elite strikeout marks, just pinpoint control. I mean, sick numbers. I mean, when he pitched last year, he had a 2.11 ERA over 27 starts. So are you feeling like you would take Chris Selton back into the first round, or do you feel like you still have some concerns and you really want to see him here in the spring? I would prefer to see him a little bit. I mean, it's funny because when he was first coming up, everybody was saying that his delivery was, you know, clunky and all those moving pieces that he was going to break down at some point, and he proved all those people wrong for that stretch of time that you just referenced. And now things are starting to, to bubble up to the surface a little bit. Um, and he factored that in with the, you know, the Red Sox really finessed his innings near the end. And, you know, he did not have a very good September, but was able to pull things together in the postseason. But I, I, I'm not as bullish on him as other people are. I, I definitely would like to see the velocities in the spring, not that he's going to air it out. Remember last year in the spring, he said he wasn't going to throw as hard so he could last longer in the season. And then he still couldn't make it all the way through. So um, I'm starting to see a little bit of fraying there. So, Personally, I don't think I'm going to take him at the end of the first round. Same thing, you know, with Lindor. You know, it, you're at the end of the first round. It's still the first round. You're not looking to add high risk at that point. Talking to Greg Jewett, you can find him at Fantasy Alarm. And recently we heard that Shohei Otani will not be ready for opening day. Obviously, he's going to DH this year. That's the plan as he's coming off the elbow surgery. You know, Otani I've seen go in the double-digit rounds, and obviously we saw what he could do offensively last year. I'm actually in a draft right now. It's like round, uh, it's a draft champions, round 14, and Otani's still on the board. Uh, was he someone that you were intrigued by before this news, or is he a player that you feel like you're probably avoiding just because we're not sure of his exact timetable and even rolling at bats that he's going to get this year? Yeah, initially I was intrigued a little just because of the fact that he can give you some power with some speed and, you know, all of his stat cast metrics jump off the page. But, you know, and the one thing that we're ignoring here is that he's also going to be rehabbing that arm to get ready to pitch um, in the year after. So if he's looking to get back on the mound in 2020, I mean, there might be a day where he could have gotten at bats. If he has a side throwing session and it's a little sore or he doesn't want to push it, then he might not bat that day either. So it's going to be really hard, you know. So it makes sense in the draft champions that he's not going early because in a, in a draft and hold where you can't really, you know, you're, you're tying up a roster spot to a guy that might only get 350 at-bats, you know. They could be very good 350 at-bats, but, you know, if, if you're not paying attention to the weeks and, and you don't know what his schedule is when he's throwing on the side – there's so many variables there that um, I think at this point I would probably avoid them. I don't know how you feel, but it's, you know, at, at some point there's a price where you have to invest in them, but at the same token, how many bats a week are you going to get? Yeah, and I think that's the big question mark, which is why right now I'm kind of not looking at him. Uh, obviously, he's still sitting out there, but uh, he won't be a good fit for me because uh, I have Chris Davis who locked up my utility spot. So mm-hmm. it just doesn't fit for my team. Uh Closers are always a big topic, and especially now. There's just so many teams that we don't know who's going to close. One of those teams is the Diamondbacks. Now, uh, I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, it's probably going to be Archie Bradley, but uh, they have not committed to him. They recently brought in Greg Holland. Yoshishio Hirano is still there. Uh, Holland was terrible last year, but he was better when he went to the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Who are you projecting to be the closer right now for the Diamondbacks? Uh, I think Holland can win that job in the spring. Uh, I 
you know, similar to your line of thinking there, I tweeted out one Hollins, you know, he didn't get a spring training last year. He kind of got thrown into the fire after he signed. Uh, things were just working against him. It was a horrible situation in St. Louis, how things broke. But he seemed to settle in when he got to Washington. He wasn't forced to be the closer. There wasn't really expectations. And all of his numbers kind of returned to, the, to, the, to his previous levels. So I think the fact that they not only that they signed Holland, but all of the verbiage from um, Lavulo saying that, you know, Bradley doesn't have the job, you know, going into camp and things of that nature. I just don't know if they trust him. And his second half was really rough last year. Um, and I'm not as bullish on Toronto either just because he needed Jaffin to get left-handed. You know, they, they did an opener in the ninth inning with Jaffin facing a lefty and had Toronto coming in and getting two outs. So he lost a couple of save opportunities last year just on that because he didn't get all three outs of the inning. So, um, personally, um, I would invest in Holland, especially at the depressed cost right now. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm in a draft where the closers are going insanely early. And we know that. It's draft champions. You can't make moves. And I thought mm-hmm. about taking Archie Bradley, and I just couldn't do it. And he went. So he's not even going to make it back to me. So I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, but it's always those tough decisions we're trying to make. Uh, one player, I think this guy's pretty polarizing. It's Chris Archer. Because... We always look at the underlying numbers and we're like, oh, this guy should be so much better. You know, three years of 200-plus Ks before last year when obviously he didn't pitch the whole season. But it's now three straight years of at least a four-year eight. Now, he is going to go to the National League for a full year and to Pittsburgh. Where are you on Chris Archer? Are you on the side that, hey, he could be better now that he's going to the National League? Or do you look at it and say, every year we kind of look at the underlying numbers expected to be better, and they're not? I think with Archer, what I would do is if if I was looking for a little bit of upside, um, say I missed out on a couple of starters I was targeting and and they didn't get to me. And, um, you know, if I had a solid base, like say I had a DeGrom and a a strong number two, and I was looking for a three with upside, then I think you could take a chance on them um, just because of the strikeout potential. But, you know, you have to heed what you were saying about the ERA and the other things. You know, at some point we just have to accept that he's not going to be that one, you know, what he used to be. So Alex Chamberlain did talk about him working in the sinker more last year when he was with the Pirates, and even though the sinker can be a polarizing pitch itself. Um, I think there's room for improvement with Archer, but again, you know, it all comes down to cost and, and how you're trying to cobble that roster together. So if you're looking at him as a number two in your fantasy, no, but for a three or four with upside, then I would be on board with taking him and just hope for the best. There was also a report about the Reds that they might not use Rossell Iglesias as their everyday closer. Uh, Derek Johnson is their new pitching coach, and he was with the Brewers last year. So we saw how they – used Hater in that situation, and they might look at Iglesias as their best reliever, maybe use him for multiple innings, could be the seventh or eighth. Uh, does this push Iglesias down your rankings? Possibly. I mean, you know, some of the things with the Brewers happened last year when, when Knievel got hurt early in the season. If he never got injured, we don't know how they would have handled that whole thing going forward. So, you know, you have to you have to take that with a grain of salt, and you have to bake that into Iglesias. Now, he's never been like a huge, you know, save guy because the the Reds have always kind of used him in a in a hybrid role or multiple inning saves and things of that nature. So, 
you know, as long as he can get the 30 saves, then you're okay with where he's going, but you might want to drop him around or so just based on those, on, on what they were talking about. Drawn by Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm. And, you know, Yasiel Puig, before he went to the Reds, his ADP was like over 100. Now I see he's been going earlier and earlier, going, see him going in the fifth, sixth round, obviously going to the Reds. We know the opportunity to play every day is there. Uh, are you pro Puig, or do you feel like the ADP is uh, starting to be a price that where he, maybe it's too much and he's not a bargain any longer? I am pro Puig, but yes, if you if you look at the difference between before New Year's and after New Year's when when you use that tool in the NFBC drafts, you know I think his ADPs jumped up to 74 after New Year's. So you know if when you thought you were being sneaky, getting them. Uh, near pick 100, you know, back in December, those days are kind of closing fast. Same thing goes with Daniel Murphy. You know, he's seen a precipitous jump in his ADP. I'm still pro Puig as to where you can get him. I still think he can really have one of those max years. He's in his walk year. That's a great ballpark for his swing. Um, and if they let him run on the bases, that could be great. Just for me, I want to know where he's batting. You know, there's a big difference between batting fifth and batting seventh in the National League. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And that is something that we have to pay attention to here in the spring is the batting order, something we talk about all the time. Uh, Alex Bregman coming off this uh, elbow surgery here, and it really doesn't seem to be concerning most people. I mean, he's going late first round. We obviously know the type of year he had last year. Uh, Are you concerned, or would you spend a late first round, early second round pick on Bregman? It's almost the same with all of those guys. You know, I was I was bullish on Bregman last year, but, you know, I was at a much lower ADP, even though he was starting to creep up near the end. Um, you know, it all boils down to that roster construction. You know, it, as boring as Nolan Arenado is, I'd rather have Arenado at that 10-11 place than Bregman right now just because I know what I'm going to get out of Arenado. You know, there might not be another level, but that's okay because he's going to hit near 300 and be – 37 to 39 home runs and, and a bunch of RBIs playing in cores. So uh, I, I'm, I'm still a little, I'm showing a little trepidation with Bregman just because I don't know if he can get the power with that elbow. Uh, so I, I, I'm probably going to let him go by. How about you? Yeah, right now that's the way I feel. I considered him at 11, but I couldn't do it. I mean, again, I love the player, I like the skill set, and he can mm-hmm. contribute across the board. But, you know, what if he – has a little bit of a setback. What if he, you know, takes some time to get going? So that's my biggest concern for him now. And maybe it changes by the time real drafts roll around in about a month. So, uh, but mm-hmm. right now it's it's kind of a little hard to take him there. Uh, JT Realmuto gets traded to the Phillies. We all know it's a big upgrade for him, the park for right-handed power. But, man, I've already seen it. He went in the fourth round of a 15-team yeah. draft that I'm in. I cannot pay that price. As good as he could be, you know, maybe him, maybe he really separates himself from the catchers. I just can't pay that price. Where do you stand on Remuto, and how early would you take him, or would you even take him at all? I agree. I don't think it's going to be a matter of how early you're going to take him because we're most of us that aren't looking to take a catcher that high in our drafts are not going to be willing to pay, especially now the the, the tax of him going to Philadelphia. I mean. The improved lineup, the improved ballpark, his his home and road splits are eye-popping. You know, you shared that in a tweet, and I made a similar chart for, for the for the readers on Fantasy Alarm, and it's just, you know, his ISO and, and other stuff just, you know, 
vastly improved when he wasn't in Miami. But, you know, like you said, it's going to be – it's going to cost you fourth round in a 15-teamer, and it's, I, I'm probably not going to take him there. And what are your thoughts on Luis Castillo for this upcoming season? We saw he was better in the second half. Uh, could he maybe live up to the expectations many had for him last year? It's possible. It's like him and Pavetta. There's so many of these pitchers where everything says that they should be better than they are, and people want them to be better than they are. You know, Castillo was one of the it guys last year. I only got him in one draft just because his helium took took over. Um, I think I would treat him like Archer. If I was looking to add upside at like my SP four in a fantasy draft and I was looking, you know, you're, you're looking for all or nothing, then I, I would be willing to take him. But in a normal money draft, I'm probably not. Yeah. And it seems like you're not really getting much of a discount either on Kesta. You would think, but uh, people are still pretty high on him. But uh, Greg, always good talking to you. Thanks for the time and uh, have a great day. You too. Thanks so much, Adam. No problem. That is Greg Jewett. You can find him at Fantasy Alarm, uh, getting you ready for the fantasy baseball season. But when we return, we will wrap it up here. Our final segment, we will talk about the night in the NBA. A lot of games going on. Already have some news on players that are sitting out and some real good potential value. We'll break it down when we continue. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-625-4922 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-625-4922. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-625-4922 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Roto Experts. You look at Harper. Is, is this a guy that you can win with if you're a Major League Baseball team? The Washington Nationals has never won a playoff series with Bryce Harper in the uniform. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Is he a guy that could... I mean, he has uh, the capability where, you know, he could carry a team for a few weeks. But that's a good question. Is he a guy that could he be the, the centerpiece of a team? Sundays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers.
Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months as we get you set to dominate in the fantasy baseball season. At the game, just got a gut feeling. No problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today. And you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to mybookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY. And mybookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yes, that's right. $1,000. That's mybookie.ag promo code FNTSY. Busy night in the NBA. As we get set, the All-Star break right around the corner. We got games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then we got the All-Star break. Uh, so we kick it off tonight. Wizards at Pistons, 7 p.m. Eastern. The Pistons favored by four and a half. Vegas told 222 and a half. We already have some value here opening up because Tomas Sadoransky is out and Jeff Green is questionable. So we're going to be looking at Chase on Randall tonight. Now, Randall, very cheap. 35 on Fandle, 33 on DK. And he obviously should... Be one of the best values here tonight. Certainly when you use him in cash, there's some case to fading him in tournaments. But I think especially on Fandle where you can drop the lowest score. Anytime you can get, you know, a point guard in a good matchup that could play 25 to 30 minutes tonight at min salary or close to it, I think you kind of have to do it. Pistons have not been good against point guards. Now, I do think Bradley Beal obviously will run the offense a little bit more. But uh, certainly uh, Randall is in play tonight at that price point. So uh, we also have seen... Uh, Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker come in and really perform well. I mean, Jabari Parker's 39 on Vandal. It's a good spot to use him. He's more expensive on DraftKings, 56. Portis is 64 on Vandal, 63 on DK, also in play. But I think you got to really like Parker at 39, and we've seen him already uh, do a nice job and uh, you know have a pretty decent usage rate with him on the court. And again, Jeff Green, uh, if he's out, that would even – help those guys even more. So uh, I know Parker is very highly owned over the weekend, but, you know, they're they're getting more minutes and uh, they're going to have a high usage rate. So both in play tonight. Uh, you can use consider Beal as well, 88 on DK, 96 on FanDuel. For the Pistons, uh, it's usually the usual suspects here. I mean, I really only go with Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, occasionally Reggie Jackson, even though... The one time I used him last week, he let me down, but it is a good matchup here. This should be a very high-paced game, and the Wizards have also struggled against point guards this year. So Reggie Jackson's 56 on DK. Probably not going to use him, but if you fit your build, not the worst play. Definitely like Andre Drummond on DraftKings. He should eat up the Wizards inside. He's 8,900. So I like him as the better play on DraftKings. On FanDuel, the pricing is different because Drummond's 10-6. And Blake is nine, so he's the better play there. But certainly uh, some pretty good options in this game. The Knicks are in Cleveland in a battle of two of the worst teams in the NBA. Cavs are favored by one and a half. The Vegas totals 208 and a half. Uh, obviously, Dennis Smith has been really good for the Knicks and it's coming over. He's 64 in DK, 69 on FanDuel. And it's a great matchup. He's going to play big minutes. So the price has come up a little bit, but again, the Cavs are just terrible defensively, so you can certainly look at him. Kevin Knox is a guy I really don't play, uh, but he has been playing big, big minutes. 
you know, 36 minutes over his last four games, and he's 46 on Fandle, 5 on DK. And, and again, we like picking on the Cavs, so certainly there's potential there for him tonight at his price point. Uh, might consider him. I don't know if he's going to make the build. Uh, for the Cavs, Tristan Thompson is still out. Seti Osman remains out, and Anthony Zizek is questionable. Larry Nance has been balling, man. I've been using him. Hopefully he starts again, but, you know, used him at, on Yahoo uh, Saturday. He was 20 bucks. Uh, I think the price has gone up. I think he might be 25 if I remember correctly. I was looking at it last night, but he's 59 on DK, 71 on Fandle. He is in play. Jordan Clarkson's been playing well. He's 52 on DK, 58 on Fandle. You can take a look at him. And Colin Sexton's been playing big minutes. He's been playing in the mid-30s, and uh, his price is still in the similar range. He's 49 on DK, 54 on Fandle. And again, this is a good matchup. So uh, there's pieces here that you can use. Uh, obviously, the Vegas total is low, so I don't want to load up. But I think you can use a player or two from this game, two bad teams, and uh, some pretty good value there. The Hornets are in Indiana. This game is a 7 p.m. Eastern start. Pacers favored by five and a half. Vegas totals 217 for the Hornets. Tony Parker is out. And really the only guy that I've been looking at lately is Kemba Walker. But I don't see the need to do it here tonight. Not a great matchup. And the Hornets just don't play well on the road. He's 10 on Fandle, 92 on DK. I mean, you could always use him in a tournament and get him at a low ownership. But he's priced up. I almost used Jeremy Lamb the other night. I didn't and kind of wish I did because he had a good game. But really don't love anyone here uh, on this team right now. So I'm not going to play anyone. For the Pacers, Miles Turner is questionable. So that is something to uh, pay, pay attention to. And, uh, you know, this team, they're kind of crowded right now because they're, they're bringing in Wesley Matthews. Not sure if he's playing tonight, but there's just uh, there's a lot going on here. And uh, to me, the key here is does Turner play? If Turner doesn't play, then, you know, you could look at DeMontis, DeMontis Sabonis because we've seen uh, – and put up bigger numbers without Turner. He's 57 on DK, 6,200 on FanDuel. Um, maybe Thaddeus Young. I'm probably not looking at him. He's 62 DK, 72 on FanDuel. I don't think you need to. Really don't uh, love this game tonight, so really not looking at much in that one. We got the Brooklyn Nets. They're in Toronto. Toronto is favored by 10. The Vegas totals 228.5. Damari Carroll is questionable for the Nets, but the Nets... They're really tough right now. I was using a lot of D'Angelo Russell uh, lately, uh, but now they're just back to full health. You know, Karis LeVert is back, and he looked good in his first game back. Obviously, the minutes are probably still going to be limited. Alan Crabb came back. They have Joe Harris. Uh, there's so much going on here, even uh, all over. And you got a lot of guys in the Nets who are going to play minutes. You know, they're going to go like 10 deep. So when that happens... You really don't love anyone. Uh, so I've kind of used Russell less over the last few games, and I don't see myself going to anyone tonight. Uh, for Toronto, Fred Van Fleet listed as doubtful. It doesn't look like he's going to play. So no one's really going to benefit. You know, they'll spread it out. And this is another game, too, where I kind of don't love anyone here. Marcus all they said, uh, will continue to come off the bench for now. His minutes will go up. He was 18 minutes last game, so you can't use him until you see him play, you know, 30 to 34 minutes. So you can just cross him off. Uh, and obviously it's going to hurt, like, a guy like Serge Ibaka a little bit uh, and maybe Siakam a little bit. So really not loving uh, anyone on the Raptors tonight either. 
We have Portland. Uh, they're traveling to Oklahoma City. Uh, 231 is the Vegas total, and they thunder favor by 6.5. And, and this should be a pretty good game here. For the Blazers, uh, I think you you know, you know look at Damian Lillard a little bit uh, in this spot. He's 86 on DK, 10-2 on FanDuel. Uh, that's pretty much the only one that I use. Uh, I think on FanDuel is probably too pricey. Uh, we've seen Rodney Hood make his debut in Portland. Jake Lehman's been playing pretty decent minutes lately. So um, I'm really not looking at much. The only other guy I would consider is Yusuf Nurkic. He's 76 on DK, 87 on Vandal. You know, a lot of people don't like to play their centers against Steven Adams, but Nurkic has been uh, had some decent games against them, and uh, that'll produce a low ownership. So if you're looking to go against the grain in tournaments, then you can uh, take a look at Nurkic because I think he'll be low-owned. Jeremy Grant, he's been ruled out for Oklahoma City, and they are playing really good basketball right now. They've won nine of the last ten. Uh, big win over the Rockets on Saturday night, and it's the same story. Uh, Paul George, always in play, and a lot of nights his ownership is still low. It's unbelievable. This guy's playing at an MVP level and oftentimes better than Westbrook, and the price on DK is still 10-3 now on FanDuel. The disparity is really close. It's 12-1 for Westbrook, 11-6 for George. On DraftKings, 11-4 DK, 10-3 Paul George. So both are definitely in play tonight. Uh, I like Paul George a little bit better, especially on DK. I've been kind of using him uh, always. Uh, with Grant out, uh, you know, you might see uh, more. I know they're different positions, but Dennis Schroeder, maybe he gets a little bit of a boost. Uh, you know, they got Terrence Ferguson who's been playing, uh, and he's cheap, but probably Schroeder is the, the other guy we'll look at uh, for the Thunder tonight. Milwaukee is at Chicago taking on the Bulls. Uh, they've been missing guys over the last couple games. We saw Giannis sit out with a knee injury. Middleton rested the game before. Uh, Giannis is listed as probable. Nikola Meritich is still out, yet to make his debut. And the Vegas totals 227. The Bucks are favored by 10. So usually... When the Bucks are healthy, the only guy that I really would consider is Giannis. He's 11-3 on DK12 on FanDuel. You know, a lot of the guys for the Bucks were disappointment when they were chalked the other night uh, when they lost to Orlando. Uh, so maybe Brooke Lopez because the Bulls are bad against centers. 51 on DK5400 on FanDuel. But uh, that's about it uh, for me. Uh, Chris Middleton didn't even come through without Giannis. Uh, Bledsoe was a little bit of a disappointment too. So uh, even though it's a great matchup, could be a blowout. I, Giannis is the one guy that I would look at. The Bulls have been, you know, pretty interesting lately. Uh, been using a lot of Laurie Markkinen. Now his price has gone up. He's 83 on Fandle, 79 on DK. I uh, would consider him in tournaments. Just hope that the Bulls can keep this game close. That would be my concern. Otto Porter has been playing 30 plus minutes since he got there. Um, 5-7 on DK, 67 on Fandle, so you could consider him. And, of course, Zach Levine, probably the best play here. 68 on DK, 78 on Fandle. And he's always capable of giving you that huge upside, and the price is pretty good. So he would be my favorite bull tonight. Lately, it has been Markkinen, who has been my favorite bull, who I've been using a lot. Clippers are in Minnesota tonight. The Vegas total is 230, and Minnesota's favored by 4.5 for the Clippers. Uh, they actually got a win in Boston the other day. Kyrie Irving went down, and uh, they came back and won. 
favorite play here, Ivica Zubak. Four on DK, 39 on Fandle. Really hard not to have him in the lineup. He started the other night, and uh, he's got to be popular, I would think. Uh, now, maybe on Fandle, not as much because people might spend up at center. But, you know, he played 23 minutes in his debut and uh, better matchup here. So I really like Zubak tonight. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, six on DK, seven on FanDuel. Uh, not bad. Patrick Beverly, I would consider. He's 51 on DK, 51 on FanDuel. Uh, but it is kind of crowded there uh, when you got Gilgius Alexander, Beverly, Temple, Lou Williams, and Landry Shamit, who played well the other night, and we saw Doc Rivers praising him so he could get more minutes. So uh, that's the only issue. I still would consider Beverly, but, again, it's a crowded backcourt there. But it is a good matchup tonight in Minnesota, but Zubak definitely is my uh, favorite play uh, for the Clippers tonight. For Minnesota, we got to keep an eye here on Andrew Wiggins. He's questionable with an illness. He's actually been playing well lately. He's a player that I don't like to use much, but I have used him on Yahoo in a couple games recently, and he has blown up. Uh, Jared Bayless listed as questionable. Jeff Teague returned last game, played 17 minutes. He's probable. And Derek Derek Rose said he is going to play tonight. So, uh, they'll probably cut into their minutes. That's the problem. I, I would have liked Teague if he was starting and playing 30 minutes, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. So Carl Anthony Towns certainly in play tonight. Uh, he's 10 on DK, 11-2 on FanDuel. Do, I do like Wiggins a little bit if he does play tonight. 65 on DK, 65 on FanDuel. We'll see if we get that news in time before lineups lock because um, it's a possibility that, uh, that we might not. Um, and that on, on the late sites, um, you know, you might be able to switch depending on what you do in your early games. Uh, obviously, on a site like FanDuel or any site that locks at uh, first uh, tip, it's going to be a little bit more of a difficult scenario trying to figure out what to do with Wiggins. But, you know, the case with that is you potentially get him at low ownership. Of course, with FanDuel, you always have the ability, uh, if you take that shot thinking he'll be low-owned, that you can drop your lowest score. But, um you know, as I mentioned before, Randall from Washington could be one of those guys that's going to be pretty popular near min value. You could go with him. Uh, final game uh, of the night, we got the Heat and the Nuggets. Denver's favored by 10, over-unders 214.5 in that one. So Miami's coming off a game last night where they lost in Golden State, so it's a back-to-back for them. For the Nuggets, I want to see if Paul Millsap's going to play. Obviously, when Millsap's been out, been using Mason Plumley. Nikola Jokic is expensive, but I think he's always in play. Uh, definitely a guy that I always look at for sure. Jamal Murray's been playing pretty well, too. And I think, uh, you know, his price point is pretty good uh, as well. I think you can consider him. And uh, for Miami, you know, I have uh, used Hassan Whiteside uh, once recently. And uh, he had, uh, I think, like 50 points on Yahoo a couple games ago. But the minutes are just a major concern with him. Because there's games where he plays 24 minutes. So, to me, he's always a GPP play. I really don't like this spot as much for him tonight. So, I don't think I'll be using him. Uh, Jason Richardson exploded yesterday. Uh, so, I think he's someone that I would consider. Uh, but I'm just worried about Miami keeping this game competitive. So, I think what we're keeping an eye on here is whether Paul Millsap plays tonight. Because that will open it up for Mason Plumley And even Trey Lyles. I mean, Trey Lyles, I think, is someone that you can use... Uh, in a tournament uh, if Millsap is out because uh, he's pretty cheap. I think he's like 4000 on DK. So he would see an expanded amount of minutes if Millsap is out. So it is a pretty good slate tonight. And, of course, there's always going to be the late-breaking news 
which we always uh, have to deal with, uh, and that's going to open up some value. So we already do have some value, but you got to pay attention. Uh, Wiggins is one, Millsap is the other. Those are the key guys that I'm looking at tonight to see if that can open up some value on this slate. But looking to be a pretty good slate where you got a lot of spends up top, some value on the bottom, and uh, you know some good uh, popular plays. But with several games, it uh, could be spread out. But I think there's a few games that people are, are going to avoid, and I kind of mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Pacers, Hornets, I don't think you'll see many people on that game tonight. Nets, Raptors could be a game that people shy away from uh, as well because we got several double-digit spreads. Oh, I didn't mention the Rockets in Dallas. That's the other game. Houston's favored by 10, 221.5. You know, Harden's price has really gone up in, uh, with Chris Paul back. I uh, haven't really been playing him as much lately. Chris Paul is at 69 on DK. That's not a bad spot for him if that game could stay close. He's been pretty good, and the minutes have gone up. Harden's just uh, kind of pricey right now. Kenneth Fareed's price has gone up, too. Uh, certainly viable in cash. And for Dallas, too, Luka Doncic is playing very well, but his price has also gone up quite a bit. Um, and there's still some value guys on Dallas. Uh, Tim Hardaway is a guy that you could uh, consider as well. as You saw his minutes go up last game, and shot the ball uh, pretty well so that wraps it up here should be a fun night in the nba as we get into the all-star game week so you take advantage of these next few nights of dfs because we're gonna have a break in the meantime check me out scoutfantasysports.com got a late look at paul de young that just went up use the promo code bats 50 get 50 percent off the first two months i'll be back tomorrow 2 p.m eastern with dr otto here on the radio network